HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. At the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History in Washington, D.C., on October 27, 2016, the second-ever Julia Child Award was given to Chef Rick Bayless. The award is given to an individual who's made a profound and significant difference in the way America eats, cooks, and drinks. The following is a conversation with Eric Spivey, chairman of the Julia Child Foundation, and Rick Bayless himself, recipient of the second-ever Julia Child Award. Hi, I'm Eric Spivey, Chairman of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History, kicking off the second annual Smithsonian Food History Weekend. The foundation was created in 1995 by Julia, framing its vision and purpose on that long name of the Gastronomy and Culinary Arts. Uh, It was not operational until 2004 upon her death. And what we as a foundation now do is both look at and control her rights of personality, protect her name and likeness, but we also collect her royalties from her books and TV shows and then grant monies to nonprofits in the food and wine world. So this is the second annual Smithsonian Food History Weekend. And what's happened is that the Julia Child Award, which we created as a foundation, uh, but we're in relationship with the museum where Julia's Kitchen is. And so it's really an opportunity to kick off a three-day weekend by having a gala this evening where we're uh, presenting the second-ever Julia Child Award. The Julia Child Award we created much along the lines of the Pritzker Architecture Prize. It's one singular award given each year. An independent jury of experts in the food world actually evaluate and decide based upon a criteria, eight criteria, that reflect Julia. Not everybody's going to be exactly Julia, but there are people that have some of the similar characteristics. This year, the second year, uh, Rick Bayless out of Chicago, who's really an amazing individual who brought authentic Mexican cuisine to America, just as Julia did bringing authentic French cuisine. And it's a time just to pause and reflect and, and award and, and reward somebody who is uh, carrying on that culinary torch. The award does come with a $50,000 nonprofit grant of the choice to that individual. Rick's going to be presenting that to the Frontera Foundation, which is something he created, which really supports small Midwestern farmers, sustainable farming uh, in the Midwest. I'm Rick Bayless. I am, well, I wear many hats, I am, but primarily known for 
Frontera Grill, Topola Bampo, Shoko Lenya in downtown Chicago. We are in the National Museum of American History in Washington, D.C. The Julia Child Award. It's um, kind of a crazy thing for me because uh, Julia is actually the person that opened my eyes to what food could be. I grew up in a restaurant family in Oklahoma City. And I knew what we did in our barbecue restaurant there, but it was Julia that sort of opened the doors to understanding that food could be this amazing craft, that it could be incredibly varied, um, that it could be sophisticated as well as rustic. She she just did it all. And she came on the television when I was 10 years old uh, for the first time, and I was completely smitten with that show and as a 10 year old kid watched every single episode of the french chef for about three years straight i think i was sort of one of those um well one of those kind of geeky kids okay (laughs) i completely admit it um i tackled making napoleons from scratch which meant making puff pastry when i was 12 um because i got my mother and father i wasn't I wasn't into team sports. My brother was completely into team sports. And I always resented the fact that whatever sport started, he got all the equipment to be on the team and everything. And since I didn't play team sports, I didn't ever get that stuff. So I petitioned my parents that when Julia Child's Mastering the Art of French Cooking showed up at the bookstore near my house, that I was going to be able to get a copy of They were going to buy me a copy of it. I still remember it cost $12.50. And that was like back in those days, this incredible amount of money, especially to pay for a book. And I didn't come from a family that collected books or anything, so this was a big deal. And... Over the next probably five years, I think, I cooked every single thing in that book. Wow. So Julia really shaped who I am today. After all of these years and having this place in my mind that Julia occupies as sort of the patron saint of, of all cooks of my generation, uh, that here I am receiving this award for having done a whole lot of the same things that she accomplished in her life. So it it means, well, it means more than anyone could even imagine for me. Remember, Julia's the one that could take something like making homemade puff pastry and make it accessible. And when you would see her do it on television, there was a certain level of precision that she brought to it, but never stuffiness, never, oh, this is for the professionals only. I'm going to show you how to do it, but you shouldn't really try because you're not worthy of doing this kind of thing. No, she said, anybody can get in there and just cook it. You know, if it doesn't come out perfect, you've still cooked it. You've created it. And that's what I, I was always really into to baking pastries uh, when I was young. In fact, I actually started my professional career um, in pastries. I didn't. I wanted to be a pastry chef, um, and it wasn't until later that I decided to sort of join my love for Mexico and its culture, its culinary culture, especially together with my love for cooking and and come out with doing the things that I do now. But in my heart of hearts, I'm still a pastry chef. <laughs> Julie is the one that gave me all the stuff that I needed. To, to really thrive in that area. 
So I did my first series of television shows way back in 1979, and it was all studio shows, and they were done at um, a, a, a station at a university in Bowling Green, Ohio. Um, there's a long story of how I got there, but they had the money to produce 26 shows. Um, we called it Cooking Mexican. I made, it was back in the days of you shot live to tape, so it was just like being on the morning news, man. If something went wrong, it went wrong because they turned the cameras on and then they turned them off 22 or three or four minutes later. And I had a crew of one, um, we did all the prep ourselves. We shot the shows. Um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because there was no editing at all. It was a three-camera shoot, and um, there were a couple times where I'd burned something, and I just had to kind of like tip it away from the camera so that you couldn't see it. Um, but it, and I had to talk nonstop for those twenty two to 24 minutes and I had to come out with three beautiful dishes on the counter in front of me at the end of that time and I watched Julia nonstop during that time because I wanted to see how she organized things how she talked because she could talk too you can't it's it's television you can't have this moment of of dead time where you're letting something saute and you're humming and hemming and hawing no you really have to have stories that you can tell and you can fill the time talking about you know what's happening in the pan in front of you um what it smells like you bring it all alive and julia was a master at that she made you feel like you were right there in that kitchen with her and that it, i watched those shows over and over and over again because back when i did my first series um there was almost nothing else on public television there was julia um there was uh i think that at that point she had just started doing some of the shows julia and Jacques, there was that. There was the Frugal Gourmet, mm -hmm. and that was all, I think, in terms of culinary shows. So we didn't have a lot to pattern our things after. Frugal Gourmet was all, you know, about the feeling good and sharing stuff with people and all that sort of stuff, and he made very simple food. Um, Julia, I always tackled things and talked about technique, which was what I was passionate about, so I wanted to be able to bring technique in there, and um, so it's interesting. Nobody's ever asked me the question that you just asked me about how much of Julia do I channel when I'm doing television. Um, but I think there's probably a ton. I just don't think about it anymore because it's so much a part of me. But I have to say that when I go back and I look at some of those really hilarious reels of Julia doing those crazy things like having a wearing a, a raincoat and having water come down and having all the different sizes of chickens and and slapping them on their butts and you know I mean I'm that's not me I I wish I so wish that was me, but that's not me. Julia's just, she was one of the most hilarious people on, on the planet. And when I got to shoot a show with her, I was on her last ever series, the ones that were called, the shows that were called uh, Julia Cooks with the Master Chefs. And I, I couldn't believe that I was going to actually get to go and cook in that historic kitchen, which is now here in the building that we're in today in the National Museum of American History. Um, but I got to be in that, and it was, I had this 
the, I was so overwhelmed with emotion when I walked into that because in her book that's called From Julia's Kitchen, there's a map of her kitchen and it shows every detail of what's on the walls and how, how everything is stored and so forth. And I had, when I, I was really thinking about moving back into food, I was in graduate school at University of Michigan studying uh, anthropology and linguistics. And I was thinking about going back. I, that book came out. I bought that book. And again, I cooked every single thing in that book. But I memorized her kitchen. So I could literally walk into it and know where she stored everything. And I got to be there cooking with her, doing this this show. And it it was almost like I was it was a dream <laughs> because it was a dream for me to be able to do that. But I felt like I was living a dream to be in there and to be with her. And she was so amazing. It was her 83rd birthday, I think, when we were there shooting that show. And I have never met a woman that is more curious or was more curious. She, like everything that we, that we would mention off camera, she'd be going to the dictionary to look something up or an encyclopedia and say, we, we need to know more about that. Let's, let's see more about that. She wanted to know everything. We got to have dinner there in that house with her that night just to kind of pick up dinner. And people all made different dishes out of leftovers from the, the TV shoot. And we sat around for three or four hours and just talked and had, I mean, it was like, it was incredible because She's the one that kept it all going because she would just ask questions about anything and everything. She was just so incredibly curious. I think that many of us um, in the United States, partly because back in the well, 50s, 60s, 70s, we didn't have much of a cuisine that we could call our own. And especially from the 50s on, we, we went through this sort of sad revolution where in the United States, everybody started wanting to have the same food everywhere. It was the rise of uh, fast food and quick service places and uh, frozen food and TV dinners. And so no matter where you were, from Maine to, to Albuquerque, people who used to not eat the same cuisine were, were, or food were eating the same stuff and that meant that regional food started to go away and the idea of it reflecting that food reflecting history and culture and geography um, just kind of dwindled and there are so many of us I think um, Julia leading the way not only in how to go and explore another cuisine but how to write a cookbook that's a serious cookbook because remember before Julia we didn't have those kinds of cookbooks. They were um, very general, and they didn't have a lot of detail, and they were imprecise, and Julia brought that precision to cookbooks. But um, I think there were so many of us that, inspired by Julia, we 
went off and explored other cultures that spoke to us. And we were able to look at them from an outsider's perspective, meaning that we could see the totality of it. In Mexico, you're really sort of stuck with your family's recipes. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that there's so much familial pride that you want to say my family's mole recipe is way better than every other family's mole recipe or whatever the the specialty is of your area, your family, your region. And when you come as an outsider, I said the greatest thing for me doing research in Mexico is that I didn't have a Mexican grandmother. I didn't have to be allied to one style or another. I could see value in so many different styles. And so many of us that inspired by Julia, set out to explore other cuisines, did it seriously the way that Julia did it, and we brought that back and we wrote books that were filled with great detail. And we explained to people how if you can't find this ingredient, you could use this one. Um, If you are in a hurry, then this is the way you could make it versus if you're making it for a special occasion. So I Julia really led the way, brilliant beyond belief, Um, and not because she was trained in it, because she was naturally good at it, and again, she was naturally curious. I will be really frank about what I think that that Julia would think of food media. That she wouldn't watch hardly any of it because it's gotten away from teaching people to cook. It's become too focused on, you know, bombastic chefs or um, hot dog chefs or game shows. Um, Julia was all about enriching people's lives through food, 100%. If you use that as a barometer for looking at food media right now, I have to say not much of it enriches people's lives. And I will say that sort of younger generation, my daughter's generation, millennials, um, they know a lot about the words about food. I mean, they've because they've heard on these shows, the competition shows, oh, that person's making a gastrique. They don't really know what a gastrique is, but they know the words so that if they see it on a menu, they're familiar with it. So, yeah, we have educated to a certain degree, but I'm not sure that um, knowing how to order in a restaurant is not necessarily the end result, I think, of what food TV should be. And I'm thrilled. Uh, you know, Julia was on public television. My show is in its 11th season on public television. And I'm really thrilled that at least those of us that work in that channel, it's not, it doesn't get all the acclaim that the Food Network shows do. I understand that, though we've gotten two Emmy nominations, so I'm really happy, okay? But it's where you can find people that are really cooking, and they're, um, they're really, our goal 
on our show is to show you something in every show that you don't even need a recipe for. You can just go into the kitchen and make it because the more people become comfortable like that with cooking and don't see it as a big deal affair, the more the healthier we're going to be because people will be cooking fresh food and not relying on processed stuff. And we'll be bringing more people together around the table, which is what I think is essential because people feel so disenfranchised from culture and people and all that sort of thing today. And, and the table is the, is the root of feeling connected and has been since time immemorial. Um, I think that in, the people that are doing shows on Food Network are way more oriented toward that aspect of what food can do in culture and life. Rick discusses the Frontera Farmer Foundation, his charity that will receive a grant from the Julia Child Foundation. So we have, one thing that I discovered living in Mexico was that the best the best food always was made in the places with the best agriculture. And when my wife and I decided to settle in Chicago, because we loved it and we loved the vibrancy of the Mexican community there, um, and that's where my wife was raised, we recognized one thing that was really sorely lacking, and that was good local agriculture. We didn't have a single far- farmer's market in Chicago when we opened 30 years ago. Uh, opened our first restaurant at Frontera Grill. And we set out to try to find farmers that we could work with and try to s- build up the local agricultural scene. So fast forward 30 years later, we have over 60 farmer's markets in the city of Chicago. No chef that is wanting to be considered a serious chef isn't buying from the local farms and everybody puts farm names on their menus and it's a very very vibrant local agricultural scene i mean very vibrant one of the best in the country and part of that has to do with the fact that we recognized that some of the small farms just didn't have the money to invest in their farms so that they could produce more and and get on more restaurant menus or do more farmers markets so we about a dozen years ago started a not-for-profit that's called the Frontera Farmer Foundation and we give small capital improvement grants to Midwestern family farms we've given away about two million dollars Um, at the present time and we usually give small grants because that's what the farmers need someplace around eight to twelve thousand dollars that can put them ahead five years in their growth and we have seen major major changes in the the quality of the products and the availability of the products um, in our farmers markets and local restaurants and we're really thrilled with that so the prize that comes with the Julia Child Award is $50,000, which will give us five more grants for this next next year. We've affected over 200 farms in our area um, over the last dozen years, and this will give us a chance to even jump that further, adding five more grants for this next year. All music in this piece is by Odetta Hartman. I'm Jack Inslee for Full Service Radio and Heritage Radio Network.